This episode of the Backside Ground Balls podcast is presented by The Performance Academy. For all of your athletic training needs, train with purpose at The Performance Academy. TPA houses a number of training resources from private baseball and softball instruction to team sports performance classes. Utilize advanced technologies like output sports, hit tracks, and TrackMan to take your game to the next level. On top of our elite staff and advanced technological capabilities, be a part of the TPA family and take advantage of the many resources our facility has to offer. Want to go to a game? How about a concert? How about going to see classical music? Whatever you're into, there's only one place to get your tickets. Thankfully, we are partnered with SeatGeek, the essential resource for live events. For any of your ticket needs, make sure you go over to SeatGeek.com and use the code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to receive $20 off your first purchase. Again, that is SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to receive $20 off your first purchase. We are super excited to announce that we are now partnering with Routine Baseball. For all of your clothing needs, athleisure, the sickest baseball gear you can get. We're talking hoodies, shorts, sweatpants, sunglasses, hats, any baseball style you can imagine. Routine Baseball has it, and we are now partnered with them. All you got to do is go to routine.com backslash backside ground ball. That's a mouthful, so I'm going to say it again. It's routine.com backslash backside ground ball and check out all the different options they have you will receive 10 percent off your order today one more time routine.com backslash backside ground ball and get 10 percent off your order today powered by riverside Welcome back to the Backside Ground Balls podcast. Super excited to be back here on the pod. My name is Trevor Powers, and I am joined by my co-host, Dan Galati. Dan, why don't you tell the listeners what you were up to this weekend? Um, first, I was going to do the – I was going to just sing the the intro since it wasn't working. And I mean, I know you put it in on the back end, but it wasn't working live time. I was going to sing it, but you didn't give me an opportunity to. Um yeah, this weekend was awesome. Opening weekend for Division One baseball, obviously. Opening weekend also for some Division Two schools, uh, including our favorite Division Two school. I think we can safely say that. Um, I know you got some allegiances to some uh, PSAC teams, but I think it was both of our uh, <laughs> favorite Division Two school. Goldie Beacom was in town playing four games this weekend in Cary, and and getting to spend time with the staff was awesome. Getting to see them play four games. They go home three and one. They'll be back in the North Carolina area next weekend. I'll get to see them again. But it was just – what a great weekend. I mean, you get just baseball going on everywhere at the USA Complex on Friday. I was watching Goldie, and then I was going back and forth, seeing Penn State. They opened up. The, the Gambino era has begun. We are Penn State. I know it's important to you. Uh, they win three of four over Monmouth and Army. It's just awesome. I mean, you you go. On, I go on my phone right now. You get on the open up the uh, the Twitter app, formerly Twitter app, and it's just college baseball nonstop. So it's an exciting time of year, and it was a it was an awesome weekend for me. Very ex- very exciting time of year, and and I had to bring that up because obviously our our good friends at the Bolts they went three and one. Good start to the season. I know it's not exactly what they intended when they came down but three and one weekend you always want to win the weekend also i was told that if i didn't give a shout out for the jimmy john's lunch that i did not eat and the ants at old durham athletic park um is are probably eating at this point because it was left on the on the ground by the guy's stuff um i I was told that i have to give a shout out because um you know just supporting the podcast apparently according to him he thinks we don't eat around these parts and uh (laughs) tom riley we can't afford food and I appreciate your Italian hoagie, but um, I'll pass on it. Just just goes to show, though, the way they take care of their people. Though we're not even part of the program anymore, and they're bringing they're trying to bring us lunch and feed us. I mean, that's just yeah. that's the type of care they take care of their guys at Goldie Beacom. I mean, love the yeah. bolts. Our, our Bolt guy Vito was- at the 
at the Jimmy John's up in Cary. Apparently didn't meet him. Uh, just heard through the grapevine veto. Uh, does a good job whipping up some Italian. So that's all I know. No free ads, dude. No free yeah, ads. Yeah, I'll talk to I'll talk to him. Listen, Bolts today looked really good. Shout out, uh, shout out my guy Darren Miller, uh, who went five for six today with an Oppo three run bomb. Bomb. Crushed. Would have hit the bull if it was still there. If they didn't move it to the new park, that ball might have hit the bull in right. That's my guy. Love, love Darren Miller. Really good ball player. Uh, had a, ended up putting together a pretty good weekend. And like you said, Bolts go home three and one. So everybody's happy in Lightning Land, which makes our lives better, Trev. Always, always. And we're looking forward to seeing them back in town next weekend uh, before they head off for the for the CAC circuit. Um, and for any diehard college baseball fans, you just know what the CAC circuit's all about. 12 o'clock double headers on a Tuesday. Um, they don't believe in school. Nobody believes on in having fields on campus. Um, just every university is just beautiful with concrete and sidewalks and two or three buildings on campus. That's about it. No greenery, no nothing. So they'll be back up there up north for, for some caction and, uh, and enjoying that. But until then, um, we'll be talking about D1 baseball. We will be giving our Goldie Beacon fix, but to our listeners, uh, you know, we, we always want to fill in on the, the D2 baseball uh, that we're, we're trying to keep everybody up to date on. But across college baseball, we had a lot of good action across the Division One landscape. Uh, we had a, a fun series, right? And Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, right around the corner. Dan's repping the hat right now. Gotta love it. Campbell ends up taking two out of three versus UCSB as they traveled all the way across the coast, had a big win on Friday night that I was at, and I thought that they were going to take that series in convincing fashion. The Camels fought back. Played really well through game two and game three and go and stay home with a series win. NC State, also in our neck of the woods, took two out of three from VCU. Duke went down to Myrtle Beach and swept the weekend against Coastal, Indiana, and George Mason. Texas Tech lost to Tennessee. They beat Nebraska and then currently... I think it's probably a little bit up to date now compared to when we wrote this rundown, but they were at the time up 10-7 against Oregon in Arlington. Our guys up in Blacksburg, yes, let me know. 11-7 Texas Tech final over Oregon. There we go. Texas Tech with a big weekend going 2-1 and one at the Invitational in Arlington. Our guys up in Blacksburg went down to Charlotte, North Carolina, took two out of three from the Niners. Cal State Fullerton with a big weekend, taking two out of three from Stanford. St. John's with a big opening day upset over number two, Florida. They only ended up playing one as the weather canceled the rest of the series. And last but not least, the Cardiac Frogs, our good friend Colton Lovelace down there in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. They end up sweeping Florida Gulf Coast after trailing in every single game, including a 10-3 deficit in game two. So, Dan... A lot of stuff going on across the country. What are your initial thoughts as we read through the series recaps and the highlights there? Well, it's early in the year, and it's it's always so funny. You, uh, I think you see this a lot in Major League Baseball, too, where um, I think especially as a fan base, uh, like it's, it's like just a general fans, right? They, they come off a of football season where every week is so important because you only get, you know, 12 of them in college and you get 16 of them in, or 17 of them now in the NFL where like people react game to game so much in baseball. And then like, you have to take a step back and remember like there's 56 of these. So yeah, Stanford loses two or three to Cal state Fullerton. That says more about Fullerton than it does Stanford. Um, just like, I think same thing with, with UC Santa Barbara and, and roll humps, obviously, but like Campbell's a good program and that's a really good series win for Campbell. Like nothing to, to worry about for UC Santa Barbara. Same thing with Florida. Like, yeah, Florida loses to St. John's. That was a, a great game. And it just looked like one like early in the year, what you see is you see some sloppy baseball. You see things that aren't what you would expect. You know, we build these guys up. We see Florida, they're number two. They they you know, they kind of reload. Caglianone, he's coming back for another year. What's he gonna look like? This guy's gonna be, you know, the best player we've seen in a while. One one. Colby Shelton comes in after hitting twenty five bombs as a freshman at Bama. And then they lose to St. John's team who like how many practices has St. John's even had outside and they're beating Florida. Like what's wrong with Florida? Are they going to be okay? And it's like, 
everyone relax. We didn't get to see the rest of the series, but like I would have put a lot of money if I was a gambling man on Florida to win those last two games. And like, just remember, like we we said, I said this a lot last year. It's like teams are searching and finding their identity. You want to have things. I mean, we we're talking to the guys at Virginia Tech, like especially pitching wise. Like you're just trying to figure out what you got going into conference play. And a lot of these series in the non-con, especially the first weekend, there's opening day jitters. You got new guys. You're trying to find your groove. It's just different when you're playing a team with a different uniform on. So there's some sloppiness. But overall, it was a it was a good weekend, and a lot of teams took care of business as we expected. Yeah, so you mentioned being a betting man, uh, March seventh, North Carolina. Maybe we can start to talk about some things, but we don't we don't participate in illegal activity in a state that it is not legal. So Fanduel will be hitting you up in early March so that we can get our bets out there. But we're going to get into a little bit of the sloppy baseball, and I want to kind of give our listeners a perspective of of maybe why uh, that can happen at times. But I, I do want to start the conversation off with that series in Bowie's Creek. I was there on Friday night. It was a chilly night. By the time you got in your seat, it was six to one. UCSB comes across the country. They probably ain't never seen anything like Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. They fly into RDU. Like, wow, this is a nice little town. And then you just keep on going and you keep on going and, and just becomes less and less civilization as you get down to Bowie's Creek. They probably didn't know where they were uh, coming from Southern California. But obviously they, they come across the country and just big, big win. Looked good physical dudes in their lineup. I mean, I told you right away, you were like, what do you have on, on Santa Barbara? And and I said, they checked the physicality box. I mean, to be honest with you, they got, they got some dudes that look like they could be playing tight end and in a, a power five roster that, that get up there and they're really athletic. They play good defense as most California teams do. And they also slugged a little bit. So they came and they, they kind of kicked Campbell in the mouth. And, and it was the first time I said this to somebody on Saturday morning when we were talking about it. It was the first time I watched a Campbell game and said, man, this team might have a little bit of a, a tough road with a conference change. Just They just didn't look as crisp. They, they were playing some young dudes with a ton of potential. I mean, Peyton Bonds, if, if anybody has the chance to get out and watch him play in person, I mean – the dude looks like a big leaguer already, and yes, he is Barry's nephew, um, but he's a true freshman, and you you weren't expecting him to come out and start game one and, and get a ton of at-bats in weekend one against the number 17 team in the country, but they continue to play good baseball as they always do. I think that's the biggest compliment you can give to Coach Heron's staff is that this team, no matter what they are in terms of talent, and they've had some more talented teams than other years, they've had some less talented groups, they just know how to win. They know how to handle adversity. They know how to take care of their business. They know how to respond from getting punched in the mouth, and they're going to have a lot more punches in the mouth this year going to the CAA with the teams in that conference and just raising the floor of that conference compared to the big South. And we got nothing but love for the big South, but obviously it's a little bit of a different beast heading to the CAA and they're going to take their lumps this year. But I think that was a character series win at home after getting punched in the mouth against a really good team, thinking that they were going to come in and roll you on your side of the country. Yeah. And, and we kind of had talked about them a couple of weeks ago, all fair you and I about how they they're kind of a younger team. Uh, they, you know, a lot of roster turnover down there, and that was going to be a tough opening series to get UC Santa Barbara. You know, getting them in Lillington or in Bowie's Creek is is was definitely helpful. But yeah, like I, I think Coach Hare just, and, and we kind of talked about this. Coach Hare kind of has it at the point I think where like he he kind of he's not on that four year cycle. It doesn't feel like where it's like okay, you know, they're young, they're a little older, they're experienced. Okay, we're really good. And then start over. Mm -hmm. It almost seems like they can kind of just turn it over year to year and they're going to be a consistent, you know, top of the field in that mid-major class. And like, like really good job by the pitching staff. (laughs) UC Santa Barbara clearly has dudes. They they McNugget you on opening night. That's never a good feeling being, if you're involved with the pitching staff of Campbell and you get McNuggeted on opening day. 17 walks, Dan. It's not fun. And that's the sloppiness we talk about, right? Like that's the sloppiness earlier in the year. Yeah. That's the stuff that hopefully all the inner squads you can get out of your system. You go in, you're riding high. And then when when someone puts up a 20 spot on you, that can be tough. But guys, like they just bounce back and then they kind of hold Santa Barbara for the rest of the weekend. I mean, 
Zach Sabres and, and Cooper Clark, who started the rest of the weekend, like really good job by both those guys pitching a little bit deeper into the game um, and holding a really good offense at bay. And, and like you said, that's a really – and again, that's a that says more – it says more about Campbell than Santa Barbara. Like, like you said, Santa Barbara's physical. They have juice. That's a really good team. For them, it's tough to fly across the country and open up your season. You're seeing it with Ole Miss out on the island struggling in Hawaii right now, a team that they should be much better than. Um, so that, that it's just tough when you open up across the country. But for Campbell, a really good series win. Impressive. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I think that it just, again, it says a lot about the character of that group. And even they went down early on. They went down early on Saturday as well. They were looking at a 3 nothing deficit. And again, like with a young group and everything that comes with that, it would be very, very easy to sit there and go, oh boy, here we go again, right? We're about to get rolled again, right? In our park and people are excited. There's always a buzz around that that program, but man, they responded well. And I again, that's a character win. But I do want to get your perspective on some things. We mentioned it a couple of times in passing through this conversation, but the sloppiness early in the year, and I think it's kind of comes as like a staple of college baseball, in my opinion. Um, and it comes with a a couple different avenues. People people love, they're excited to get out there and watch baseball, but it can be sloppy, right? And I think one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough is how quick of a ramp up it is in a preseason setting. Um, I mean, we were down at, at Wake Forest probably roughly four weeks ago. They were going live at bats um, before they even started uh, getting going with full team practice. So like guys are expected to come back to campus, ready to get on the mound that, you know, college kids, they don't know how to pill it at 65%. They only pill it at 90 to 95%. Um, there's no buildup except for what coaches kind of spoon feeding you and making sure your pitch count doesn't get too high. So, you know, there's is a lot of sloppiness that comes with it. But when you talk about what it kind of comes from, it's like big leaguers get six full weeks of, of like ramp up, like, spring training every day at bats if they want it just practice time pitchers are are on a strict uh strict schedule they're ramping up they get ready to go in the regular season then opening day all this excitement comes usually we, we're playing pretty good baseball and we're relatively healthy when we get to that time college baseball it's not like that and it's very sloppy when we get out to opening day there's some lopsided schoolers there's some pitchers who you know they get out there under the lights and they just they had it for an inner squad they don't have it sloppy defense specifically sloppy outfield defense specifically so give me kind of and give our listeners a rundown on maybe why that is why we see that a lot early in the season and why as college baseball fans we should understand that like it's okay there's good baseball ahead of us sloppiness is not going to be around for the whole season yeah, I think you you kind of you mentioned it there a couple minutes or a couple seconds ago. Um, but I, you see a lot of football scores opening weekend in college baseball. I mean, Longwood out of uh, Farmville, Virginia, beat uh, Siena twenty seven thirteen. That was one of the scores we got this weekend. So like, you just see scores like that, and like you said, this I think what you said was perfect there. Big leaguers uh, they get thirty five forty game at bats, and that's not including live abs. That's not including potentially any um, – I guess that would probably include some of the stuff they're doing on the backfields that you don't see in the in the big league final games. But you're getting 35 to 40 game at-bats. Pitchers are, are, are throwing a bunch of bullpens, and they're getting a bunch of live outings where they can start to extend, right? You'll see usually typically, um, depending on the organization, but you'll see you know the opening day starter, he'll, his last spring outing, he'll go five innings. So now he's extended out to five innings, and that's over the course of six weeks. And mind you, then you want to talk about the defensive side of things. Those guys are getting they're, – they're going to the facility all day, every day. So if they're not in the big league games, they're on the backfields or on the short mini fields getting ground balls. Every single day they're getting reps. Then they're getting their live reps in the games. These are still student athletes. They get two hours a day. When they get back to campus, they don't get all day. They don't get to take, you know, 200 ground balls. Anything they do extra is on their own time. They're not in that controlled setting that you get for big leaguers. So like you said, the ramp up time of you get back on campus. A lot of these kids got back on campus four weeks ago. That's four weeks of, of, of ramping up. And, and as you just mentioned, it's not full team go from the start. Guys, it's, it's really hard to get everybody 35 to 40 at bats. It's really hard to get your pitchers. And I think the thing that, 
you're probably most concerned about as a coaching staff is getting your pitching staff ramped up. So some of that other stuff kind of takes a backseat a little bit. You're more focused on live ABs for a bunch of these schools, right? Big league teams, you see them all go to Florida and Arizona where the weather's perfect. Anything like South Carolina and up, you're not guaranteed good weather, really, right? So like unless you're in Georgia, Florida, Texas, Arizona, California, you're not outside every day either. You can't take many ground balls inside unless you have a, a 80 yards of turf like we saw at the University of Delaware. It's tough. It's different. Um, so I think just the condensedness of the preseason can lead to some of that sloppiness. And then again, these are 18 to 22-year-olds. So you're building up to opening day. The excitement, that this is what you're building for. They've had that. They know exactly who they're playing. They've been talking about it since the fall. Every coach has given the speech since the fall. By the time we face you know, by the time we get down to Wake Forest and Winston-Salem, we need to be, you know, this, this, or that. And so that's what these kids are all thinking about. And then you, you know, inner squads are laid back. You got the music going. Guys are, you know, somewhat intense. It's as game-like as possible. But then you see that, you know, you see that other team come out there. You're playing against guys you don't know. You're not seeing the same pitchers that, you know. I mean, think about it. You get in the box in an inner squad, four weeks of live ABs against the same guys. You know know how he's going to pitch you. You know, like now you're getting in there, you're seeing a guy you probably you know might not have ever faced before, things like that. And, and again, it'll continue to clean up. Like think of these first couple weekends of, of non-conference playing college baseball like the Grapefruit League in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and and I think that's a good point that that all co- college coaches would say, will tell you. And and again, when we were up at Virginia Tech, they were talking about just getting you got to get situated for conference play, right? You're going to see a lot of churn. I mean, you see it with like Friday night guys that schools expect to step up and be the guy and they don't exactly translate to results. And then you see a Saturday or a Sunday guy really step out, come out, perform very well and get everybody excited. And next thing you know, we're talking about that guy as the ace of that staff. I mean, there's been plenty of situations where like the best arm, pitched on Saturday. I mean, the best example I can come up with is Chase Dolander was Saturday guy his first year after leaving um, Georgia Southern and and going to Tennessee. And he was there. He was their Saturday guy at the beginning of the year. And then he just goes out and pops and he was dominant through the whole year and, and stuff like that. So you never know. I mean, Sean Sullivan pitched out of the pen last year for Wake Forest and then went out and punched out 10 through four innings and was just like, whoa, like this guy might actually be a dude. And I'm sure there's people in in that um, in both of those situations that knew those guys could be a dude. Um, but understanding that like it's not always as simple as you know your guys, you didn't sign these guys to contracts in the offseason and expect, well, you know, we're bringing in – you know, Yamamoto for the Dodgers and he's going to be a top arm for you. You don't know. Like they got to get under the lights. They got to perform. They're, they're young. They're 18 to 22. Um, just being able to, to handle the adversity and handle the moment is probably 90% of actually performing in a college baseball game. And, and again, when we get out there early in the year, everything's ramped up. Crowds are fired up. Everybody's just fired up. Our, our walk up song sounds sick and because the first time we've heard it and we're just juiced up trying to everybody's trying to hit a five run home run every time they walk through the bat. Every pitcher's trying to punch out three and with one pitch and and it's just always kind of works that way. But speaking of a couple guys that struggled and, and I'd love to know your kind of thoughts on this and, and some guys that that really I mean, quite frankly, I expected I watched a lot of what Hagen Smith did on Friday um, before I went over to the, the Campbell game and was expecting him to be like lights out. Right. And then came out, it was 35 degrees. They had a delay tarp on the field. Again, a lot of stuff that comes in. He gives up to JMU's three hitter, kind of cookie heater. Guy just gets it up in the air. Wind takes it, three run bomb, first inning. He's laboring, struggling to throw strikes. Thatcher Hurd struggled in his first start. A lot of big shoes to fill. I saw people on on Twitter kind of chirp, chirp chirping about Thatcher Hurd already talking about how he's not going to be able to fill Paul Skeen's shoes nor would it should sorry, not nor would <laughs> um, nor should anybody expect him to and then kind of in like a more surprising um, sense uh, a lot of people not that it was a question um, Drew Beam went on Saturday and AJ Russell went on Friday which we'll talk about him but Drew Beam really struggled um, in his outing compared to AJ Russell who looked electric so maybe behind the scenes maybe there was a reason AJ Russell pitched on Friday I don't know 
if I would say that I'm for certain, but uh, Drew Bream was the one that struggled and AJ Russell looked like the the potential ace of the the volunteer staff that that definitely needs some guys to step up with one guy specific in Winston-Salem that that was with them last year. So what do you got on the guys that struggled and, and obviously kind of, again, it kind of piggybacks off the last conversation we had, what is maybe where does that come from a lot of times? Well, I think it's interesting. It's understandable why you group all three of those guys because those are obviously names that that we've all seen and heard and, and we are thought of as top arms going into this season, right? But I think kind of with all three of them, it's a little bit of different um, things kind of that potentially could happen because one was starting you're not ready to make any claims on anything. I mean, the Hagen Smith thing, I think you, you, you said it right there. It's 35 degrees. You have a delay and you're pitching against the JMU team who you're the number three team in the country. You're supposed to be better than them. The JMU is good, but that doesn't matter to the people in Fayetteville. It doesn't matter to Hagen Smith. There's a little bit of a sense of, like you said, okay, we're off today. It's a little cold. I'm putting pressure on myself. I'm the ace. I'm supposed to be one of the top guys in the country. Oh, I just got clipped. And now I I don't have my sharpest stuff. Now I have to figure out a way to go through it. This is not how I envision. You know, I've been thinking again. I've been thinking about the start for six months. This isn't how I envisioned it going. And the, the rails can kind of fall off a little bit. And then you look at Thatcher Hurd and the whole LSU is a team. I mean, LSU on Friday, this is your first game. You got Dylan Cruz throwing out the first pitch. You know, like we just came off this this run where we had Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz and just a star-studded roster where we win a national championship. Like there's a little bit of a hangover there because now it looks different. And, and you have so many fond memories of what it felt like and what that team was like in Omaha on the last day of the year. No one remembers February of last year. You're thinking about how polished and everything crisp it was in Omaha. And then you come out on that first day and everything feels different because those guys aren't with you and it's a different team and it's a different year. And for Thatcher Hurd again, too, he's probably putting a little bit of internal pressure on himself of, like you said, no one should realistically expect him to be Paul Skeens, but you put that internal pressure on yourself. So that one's a little different. And then lastly, Drew Beam, again, it's one start and and he got, I mean, that whole Tennessee pitching staff last year got off to a slow start. Like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, even, I'm not, even to cut you off here, sorry, but like even he, like his outing was more of just not looking crisp and escaping a lot of traffic, not a lot of, a lot of swings and misses. I mean, he scattered seven hits. He's, he didn't walk anybody, but he, he walked out of there with a pretty good outing, but the stuff just wasn't as crisp as you would hope from who the guy who's supposed to be the guy there. Obviously, Thatcher Hurd was a little bit of a different situation with two and two-thirds, four earned runs. He had four strikeouts, so that's pretty good in terms of the swing and miss numbers. And then obviously, Hagen Smith didn't even get through two um, or maybe went two-plus, if, if I'm not two mistaken. Plus, so, yeah, yeah two-plus and, and just struggled there. And, and one of the things – too, I wanted to kind of talk about with Hagen Smith is the fact that like he always has put up swing and miss numbers, right? He yes. always has. He's never, he's never not had stuff, but it's been the command of the pitches. And, you know, there was a lot of just positive news coming out of coming out of there and, and making sure that he's his stuff playing up. He's throwing harder, stuff like that. And it was just like more of the same Hagen Smith that we've seen. And like when he's off, like you he's like a ticking time bomb that like there's times where it's like, I don't know if he's going to get out of the first. And like, this is something that's happened late in the year. It's not like an early season thing. So I think he probably leaves the, the most sour taste in your mouth out of everybody, because a lot of people believe that he, I mean, I don't think it's a matter of belief or opinion. It's kind of a matter of fact that he has the stuff to compete for sec pitcher of the year. And, and, all American level stats and be a first round pick top 10 pick because he's got the stuff to do it. But to see him just scatter, it was just like all over the place, like struggling to throw strikes. And again, how much of that is the weather delay? How much of that is the cold weather? How much of it is all of it? But it's kind of one of those scenarios where it's like, we've seen this before. We've seen you do this before. And it's not ideal to see it again this early in the year when you're supposed to be an absolute guy. We're supposed to take that step forward as a junior, go post this year, and then go get drafted. And then you just scat, you spray it. He, he he sprayed it all the whole time he was out there. Gives, gives up a cookie bomb that probably wouldn't have been a bomb on a normal day. But again, as you always say, when you walk, guys, you deserve those runs are already on the board. Like, let's see how we can limit that. And and sometimes it we struggle to do that. Yeah, but again, like through one start, 
you know, I, I don't think it's fair to say that, that there should be any concern. Now, again, as we continue to get deeper, like you said, everybody at this point in the year, you're still trying to gather information about your roster and how things are going to shake out by the time you get to conference play. You'd like to see a guy like Hagan Smith settle in. And by the time they get to SEC play, he's doing the, the type of things that we expect. I mean, we mentioned it on the preview episode, that, that outing against LSU, right? Like that's what we're kind of waiting to see is, is that guy um, by conference play. And at the end of the day, if he's that guy by conference play, no one's going to remember his, his outing against JMU. Yeah, I think the tough part is like like I was kind of saying there is that like we've seen this before, right. and it, it like that's There's the guy concerns. especially from, do- from a draft standpoint. Like that's where it's like oof. it raises some red flag. Like, like you raise your eyebrows yeah. at it, right? You're like, oh, mm-hmm. like that's you know, and I think that's where it's a little bit different for for a guy like Drew Beam, maybe like where, where Drew Beam it's like, yeah, no factor. You sprayed, yeah. you scattered some hits. You didn't have some swing and miss stuff. Like Oklahoma team, Oklahoma is kind of the style of offense that's not going to go up there and swing at everything. They want to play a little bit of a smaller ball brand. So like maybe you're swinging miss. So like 100%. Thatcher Hurd, I think is another, he's kind of the most interesting one that would be following, you know, a lot of just, I mean, he, he came from UCLA and was a 1.06 ERA guy as a true freshman, right? Goes to LSU, starts at the beginning of the year, gets sprays it, walks the world, moved to the pen, Dominant in Omaha, looked really good. People are expecting big things out of him. People were expecting big things out of him last year. We'll see if he can take that step forward, but obviously you don't want to see a guy go out there. And Again, it's just tough. It's tough to not build people up, and then when you get that exposure to them early in the season, to not be like, oh, here we go again. Like this is supposed to be a guy. And I'm sure that coaching staff, you know, we do, again, we do this all the time and in, in our sports landscape and especially with our sports media, it's like, Oh, well, are we worried? It's like, no, nobody's worried. Like it's okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, we're just doing that because we are sports media now, but I'm sure those coaching staffs, they have a ton of faith in those guys, but it's, it is kind of interesting to see those guys struggle specifically. Yeah, I wonder, and, and the Thatcher Hurd, like, I wonder how, do we know how good Thatcher Hurd is? Like, I know, we, like, no. we, we saw the numbers at UCLA. I would argue that the SEC is a tougher conference. He comes in, like you said, he struggles to command it. Some days, too, like, it was weird last year. I felt like some days his stuff just didn't look good. Like, his stuff didn't look good. And, I mean, it, Obviously, again, the lasting memory is Omaha, where everything is is so put together for LSU, just all the way around, and that's how you win in Omaha. You go and you guys step up, and and you get the ball bounces your way, um, and that's what happened for him. But I'm not sure we know how good Thatcher Hurt is. Yeah, I think the big thing that I would say there is Luke Holman, who they started on Saturday, is a really good player. Um, a guy that I'm sure that staff has a ton of faith in. He came over from Alabama as well in the exodus of Alabama as they had a coaching change. And I just personally feel like you wouldn't start a guy on Friday night at a program like LSU if you didn't believe that he was capable of being that guy when you have a guy on Saturday that you trust a ton. Now, maybe is it we don't want to expose him too early? Yeah, there's a ton of factors that go into that. This guy's pitched in Baton Rouge before he gets what Alex Box is about. He understands the fan base, all the stuff like that. But then Holman rolls out there on Saturday. And again, I know LSU doesn't play murderers row to start the year, but five and a third, 10 punchies, three hits, one walk. It's like, I mean, and who knows? Again, we, we just talked about it with uh, Chase Dolan or starting on Saturdays that first year is there. It's like, who knows? Holman could just go on Saturdays for the whole year and be their ace. He could go do that and win SEC Pitcher of the Year and nobody would bat an eye, and that's okay. You know what I'm saying? It's it's one of those things where that, that can happen, and it happens to coaching staffs all the time. They're trying to iron these things out. Nobody's fully confident on what they've got going into any point up until probably conference play. They start to feel out their roster a little bit. So it's going to come with the territory. It's going to be something that's going to be a work in progress. But obviously, it did come with a lot of eggs, per se, on weekend number one. And then on the opposite side of that, we could talk about some guys who did not lay eggs. Yeah, just, just real quick, I, I just on, on the LSU thing too. I wonder I, as a whole, and I, I don't know how much this actually matters, but on the whole, like again, coming off a national championship, and and then on the pitching side, 
not that Nate Yeske's a bad pitching coach, but you're replacing a pitching coach. It's a new pitching coach down there. I wonder if it's going to take now. I'm saying this on a day where they scored 27 runs in six innings, um, <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous. They hit 20 singles, which is crazy. Um, yeah. Anyway, I wonder if, if it's going to take them a couple weeks to – you, are they are they going to be a team who peaks late? Is what I'm saying. Like they, they came out last year and they were kind of a buzzsaw start to finish. They hit a little bit of a valley towards the end of conference play, but they they were running a gauntlet in the SEC. Like, are they going? I wonder if they're going to take just a little bit to get to get cooking. Yeah, I'm sure. I I'd say so. Again, coming World Series hangover, right? Like you spend all summer especially at a, at, at a program like that. Everybody's singing your praises. You're the celebrities. Everybody's probably eaten and drank for free. For those guys that are over 21, they probably have a good night out every time they hit the bar. Everything's great. And then come February, second weekend of February, you lose two out of three. And I know they didn't, but you lose two out of three in SEC play, and you're the biggest villain in the world again. And you realize, wow, they don't really remember that. World Series victory we had it's a long so, time ago. Um, yeah, it feels like an eternity ago. So I, I'm sure that they're going to get theirs at some point and and have to to hit those highs and lows. But it's going to be something that's going to come with time. That roster is obvious. I mean, they recruit at a different level. They just are great at what they do. They're a talent acquisition powerhouse, and and they're able to kind of be dominant at will. So a couple guys that were were really good this weekend as well that we'd like to highlight. Specifically, we'll start with two on the mound. I mean, it's funny because the Tennessee staff were like, ah, Drew Beam didn't have his good stuff, but he kept runs off the board. He had a veteran outing. You know, he ran into some traffic early, settled in, gave you length. That's really good. A.J. Russell was kind of the opposite, right? He comes out, he's just absolutely blowing smoke, punching dudes out with heaters. He goes four and a third. He gets 10 Ks, one walk, but he gave up two earned, and he ended. He didn't even get through five. So that's obviously not what you want out of your Friday night guy, but the stuff and what he was able to come out, and this is a guy who replaced the next guy we're going to talk about in the rotation last year and looked pretty good doing it. Coming out, blazing heaters 98, getting life up in the zone, dominating hitters. He's going to be a guy that's going to be fun to watch. And if he can go deeper into games and maybe settle in and give you six innings with that stuff, that that one-two punch in in Knoxville is going to be pretty good. Yeah, it kind of feels like that Tennessee's just rolled out guys that look similar to this for the last three years now, where it's just guys with just absolutely electric fastballs and really sharp breaking stuff that sometimes they they struggle to command because the stuff just is so good like it's so electric like he was riding some of those fastballs and like it was almost comical some of the swings he was getting like it it almost i mean the camera angle that's a different story but the camera angle globe life is terrible so some of the balls look like they were legitimately over guys heads that they were swinging at and it's like because that thing just takes off on you and 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 he i mean it's electric stuff and that's what I mean, that's kind of consistently what we've seen from a handful of those guys, um, Dolander and Burns, who are going to talk about, and and him and, and Drew Beam at times. Like, just what Tennessee has rolled out there the last three years, this is kind of like what their pitching staff is. It's like guys with super electric stuff, but sometimes they run into pitch count trouble. They run into a lot of traffic on the bases because they can lose the zone. Then they get to, into the heart of the zone and they get hit. I mean, that series – at Missouri last year, they got swept where it was like all of them were just going. It was like, who's going to step up here so they don't get swept at Missouri? And it was just – they like free bases followed by a, a pitch in the middle of the play. Like kind of the Garrett Cole thing, right, where it's like mm-hmm. can – there was like a long time. It was like, can Garrett Cole avoid the inning where he walks two and gives up the three-run bomb? And that's what it felt like Tennessee kind of has when you look at their starting staff. Like it's all like high-end stuff, good enough to get you to Omaha, um, but can run into – four and a third because we threw 105 pitches because we seven hits and two runs and 10 strikeouts. Yeah, definitely. So you're telling me you don't like the camera angle from the rafters. What is that? We got a guy just suspended up there on the roof. Like what, what is that? Seriously? Thing? It looks like, it's and then brutal. it like, and then they're just like hitting the zoom button on the Canon <laughs> 550 that they got for recording this thing. Yeah, no, it's brutal. It's brutal. Maybe it's because of the Astros. Who knows? We'll just blame the Astros. And, and Texas was so worried about guys stealing signs. It's like, yeah, try to steal this. We're going to, we're going to record it from, from a cowboy stadium, <laughs> we're gonna have to yeah, shoot it through a window. 
<laughs> so, but yes, that camera angle sucks. You cannot see anything. Jacob Degrom going there was a crime to pitching Ninja. Um, well, for, or, or Wake, where it's like you're you're watching the game in 1990. It's like an ESPN Classic video at Wake. I, I, I do not the understand. Like, that. They do. Everything no, I do not that. understand. That. And it's it's a that's a program that's on the forefront of technology. We can't get a good camera at, at, like ACC Any network. Game it just looks night. like it, it looks like it's snowing. It, it it's like it's like the field's a highlighter. It's the weirdest thing in the world, and it's like and it's like grainy. It, it literally it's looks grainy. like it was shot on like an iPhone five. Like I'm convinced you could put an iPhone fourteen out there in Winston Salem and put somebody out there and hold it like this in front of their face, and it'd be better qu- and stream it to YouTube, and it would be better quality film than whatever they're putting out there. Like I don't, I I'm so confused. I don't know if it's the lights. I don't know if it's the the color of the turf. I don't the know gold, if it, the gold what turf it is. plays tricks or something. It does. I'm telling you, just <laughs> pulling up YouTube, like if, since Colin was there, like it's been like that forever. You, you're like, you're like squinting, like you're putting <laughs> sunglasses on inside because you're like, why can't I see the game? Like what? I'm just trying to watch I, this I, gross pitching staff. Throw. It's like, it's like when you stream like a, a lower level game. You know what yes. I mean? Like when you go on like flow, it's like, it's like watching flow sports on, on like Safari yeah, while you're on the, while you're in, in a hotel on LTE, LTE trying to get a scouting report. Like for the, the team you're playing the next day, is like that's what it felt like. I turned the TV on on Friday night. I was like, well, I can't. I couldn't even do it. I couldn't even hang in. Game you, was out of hand at that point. Anyway, I was like, I, I got to watch check enough out. Wake Forest baseball, and you question if your TV's buffering because like, <laughs> nobody pays for cable anymore. Everybody's got to, everybody's streaming it, so you're just like, maybe it's buffering. And then you turn on like just a, another game anywhere in the SEC, and it's, it's just 4K. like, no, my my camera, my TV was not buffering. Like it's like static. It's it's brutal. So I don't know what the, the deal is there. Um, the viewer experience, maybe they want bad viewing experience so we can pack the house, you know, and Which I don't they know. Did on maybe, Friday. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe they just want to pack the couch, but I know a guy that's going to pack that stadium a lot this year and it's Chase Burns. And we saw him. I saw him throw live. We'll go with we. Sorry to throw you on the bus there. You know, he Sorry. had laundry and he had a honey do list on a Sunday. Didn't want to drive to Winston Salem and, and watch Three Chase Burns throw. Um, <laughs> it's okay. You're not committed to the bit, but you said you Chase were going to throw me under the bus, and then you <laughs> ran me over and backed back over me. <laughs> Nobody saw it because Wake Forest was recording it in their parking lot because they don't have <laughs> the only cameras that they have that work is freaking Kinetrax. I thought our guy that was on the uh, scissor lift that day was going to fix something for us. <laughs> Oh, got back this year. Still low quality ESPN cameras that they got rolling out there. Um, six innings pitch, 10 Ks, zero earned runs, one walk. The stuff was electric up to 101. He was teasing hitters basically with it to start. Then he starts breaking off a legit 70 grade slider, getting swings and misses. He was all over the strike zone. I mean, again, we had this conversation. It's never been a question about stuff. It's the furthest thing from the question is about stuff. It's never been a question about command. I mean, usually when you see a guy like that, you think of Hagen Smith and a guy that has a ton of stuff, can't sprays it all over the place, loses his own. No, Chase Burns has always thrown strikes. It's about consistency. And if we get consistency from Chase Burns this year, whew, I mean, the sky is the limit. Like, I don't think there you could if you said he beats Paul Skeen's numbers from last year, like 206 strikeouts and 120 whatever it was innings, 100-plus innings, I wouldn't be surprised if they go all the way to Omaha and he's dominant like that, pitched to a 1-5, goes first overall because his stuff is crisp. He's got three legit pitches. He's all over the strike zone. He's as efficient as anybody off the mound. It's so clean. It's the easiest 102 you'll ever see, and he's not exactly a high-effort bar. It's a lot of fun to watch. And he had it this Saturday. And my gut tells me he's had it this whole spring. And it tells me he's going to have it a lot the rest of the year. Yeah, there's not much more to say. I mean, he, what you just talked about with Hagen Smith, and it's kind of disappointing. We build these guys up and then they come out in the first weekend and you, and you want to see them dominate and then they don't. Chase Burns, who is the most hyped up pitcher this preseason delivered like it was it was knife through butter it was he was out there just like you said doing what you saw him do I mean 
this is what we've been hearing that he was doing. This is what everyone has been expecting. And, and like I said on the preview, like this could be what everyone thought Kumar Rocker's junior year was going to be. Like that. That's what this could be. Like just that hype, that anticipation. Like when, when Kumar Rocker threw the perfect game or no hitter, whatever it was, against Duke in the regionals. Mm-hmm. 19 strikeouts. Which is and, and like the build up for him that next year of like this is this guy's gonna be and then it didn't happen. That's what I think Chase Burns, like what everyone was expecting to see from Rocker that that junior year is what I think Chase Burns can be. And like you said, like I don't wanna like it, it feels reactionary to throw the skeins comparison out there because we just saw it, so it's it's you know, it's like we're just looking for the next we we want it to happen because it was so fun to follow skeins last year. But like, yeah, like two two of sixes, it's there. He could do it. Like, Ooh. he's like the one thing I will say is I don't know if he commands his fastball the way Paul Skeens did. Like, and that's what really to me set Skeens apart from just like most pitching prospects we'd seen at the college level in a long time. It's like the way he commanded one hundred two. But like you said, it's not like Chase Burns doesn't command it, and I think his slider's better than Skeens was. Yeah, there's an argument to be made. I mean, that's what Skeens is rocking with too. Like his slider is going to be his bread and butter at the next level. But I could argue if if Burns doesn't command his fastball as well, Burns has better shape on the fastball. Burns that's is going to get a sure. lot more swings and swings and misses that sure. of middle. Like Burns can come middle middle on a two zero count and, and get the whole park miss. knows a heater is coming and he's getting a swing and miss probably at like a 35 to 40% rate. Like that's how good his heater is in college this year that like the whole ball yard can know that it's coming and he's still going to get 35% swing and miss rate on it. Right. Because it's that good. Um, whereas Skeens was get down the mound, breathing down your neck, commands it, throws it really never fell into those counts. But yeah, that'll be, that's what's interesting about Burns is like, and I guess this is more of a draft conversation, but like, Stuff wise, probably better than Skeens, I would say. Better fastball shape, same Pure velocity. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Breaker. I mean, Skeens flashed a couple plus change ups at the back end of the year there. He did. That, that was really yep. pumped a lot of people in. And but, we've got to see a little bit more from Burns' change up to, to know for certain. It's pretty but, good. <laughs> but what we yeah, saw on Saturday is pretty dang good. And, I'll, I, and, and just going back to kind of, Earlier when we were talking about sloppiness earlier in the year, you know one of the best ways to avoid sloppiness early in the year? Have Hartle Burns and Massey throwing for you. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that's why yeah. you don't like – like, because some of those offensive guys, like Kurtz went 0 for on opening day and Seaver King kind of struggled. And it's just like, well – Pimped a home run that – Pimped a home run out. that was a fly. Right. But, like, it doesn't really matter when you have those three going. No, it's, it's not going to matter all year, which, again, like – it with will at some team, point we, if those guys don't hit, but like early in the year you avoid. Oh, anything. it will. But as we talked about in the pre in the preview show of the whole season, this pitching staff is good enough to take you a long way, whether that offense hits or not. That pitching staff last year was good enough. Everybody's get caught up in everything else of the new toys and Duke had a great weekend, 100%. And we got people out there talking about Duke being the favorites in the ACC. It's like, I do not see anybody. And I know there's people out there that disagree with this. I do not see anybody that has the pitching staff that at their best is going to be better than wakes three guys. Like, I just don't see it. I, I don't, cause what's, I, there's what's... not one team in the country that has three guys that could be first round picks. What's the highest you see Massey going? In the draft? Mm-hmm. Highest? Mm-hmm. Like everything like clicks for him? Yeah. I mean, his stuff, he's got three pitches that get 40% swing and miss rate. You know, like he's he's filthy. So, <laughs> he's so, like, so we're legitimately talking about three first-rounders? Yes. Yes, three so like, first rounds, one hundred percent. I I love what Duke is doing, and we need to. And me specifically, like I, would, I need to dive into Duke, and obviously, like we all know, Jonathan Santucci is just—he's an ace, and he's as good as like you can put him up there with anybody in the country. No one has three first rounders on the weekend. Like if all three of their ceilings, all three of their ceilings, first round. Like what are we talking about? Yeah, one hundred percent. I like that's that's, that's my and again, I'm I'm probably higher on Massey than than most. And that's fair, but he is 
projected potential first round. I mean, when we sat down with Walt, he talked about it. You know, they got the potential to have, what do you say, five? It's five, right? Five first round picks, which would be the most ever. The most ever is three. I mean, Massey was the fifth guy in that list for people that did not know. Like that was, that's how highly regarded he is in, in a lot of circles. And it's like, you're talking about a fastball that is turbo. You're talking about a slider that's filthy and then a breaking ball, a curveball off that. That's filthy as well. And it's like, and he throws um, buzz like this. So, you know, being able to, to kind of hang with those three guys, they're going to be in every game they play this year because of those guys. Like that's, that's just no brainer. Um, but the question's obviously, how do you get over the hump and you got to hit high level pitching, which we'll have to see how, how that translates and, and how we carry that late into the year in Omaha. But another guy, another high level guy, quite frankly, who, who had another good weekend and is Travis Bazana. He's obviously for a lot of people, one of the top, uh, draft prospects coming into the year. He had an absolute loaded weekend with seven for 13 with three homers. This is coming off a year where he only had 11 home runs last season. Um, he's always been a guy that could flat out hit. He's raked everywhere he's gone. He raked as a freshman. He raked in Australia. He raked in summer ball. Um, he's Cape Cod MVP. Worked out a driveline all offseason. Um, I don't know if that was something that, was a different or change in his offseason routine or if that was something he's been doing for a while. But obviously, Driveline's been starting to make a lot of headwaves with bat speed training, Mookie Betts, Paul Goldschmidt was there this offseason. Bazana seemed to follow suit. He heads out there and he starts off the weekend and just absolutely lights the world on fire. Three bombs, legit nukes. They were up in the zone. He covered them, just kind of, Pushing any questions you had about him side. I know it's early, um, but if he keeps this up and he keeps it for power, if he pushes 20 bombs this year, I mean, I got nothing but love for those other guys that are going to be at the top of the draft, but Mazzana's probably the guy because across MLB circles, there's a lot of confidence in what this guy can do as a hitter alone. You start to factor in the power aspect of his game. There's a lot of confidence in what he can be. Yeah, and I, I think uh, like. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, there's some East Coast bias out of me because of the fact that like it's hard to always stay up and, and follow the West Coast games. Um, but as as friend of the pod, Joe Doyle um, from FSS Insiders, FSS Insiders said, you know, one of the only yellow flags he had on Bazana was his ability to, to consistently hit the elevated heater and then also to hit lefties with power. And in the first weekend, he just annihilates both those things. And it was just like he he – hits a, a high fastball at the letters out of the ballpark. Then today, his second homer of the day, lefty, lefty. I think he, it was like 420 to right. It was just an absolute bomb. I mean, and again, like this is one of those guys that like me alone or me included, like mainstream on the East Coast, like it's tough to follow some of these West Coast guys and you don't know about a lot about them until we get to postseason play. Like he's must watch and, and I mean, one of the best players in the country and some of these outfield guys, some of the out like or uh, outfield, some of these offensive guys we have in college baseball this year, it's just ridiculous what they can do with the stick. Yeah, the top of the college hitter draft is loaded fun this year, and yeah, even some fun. of the sophomores. Like I'm just going to keep going back to my guy oh, yeah. Cam Camarello, who five. He comes out of the first week of a cool five thirty. He also goes seven for thirteen. Like, yeah. It's just like. Whew. I mean, yeah, you talk about a lot of guys. I mean, and Honeycutt had two bombs. Kurtz had a bomb. He, he hit a, a ball 111 today. <laughs> you know, Charlie Condon hit a ball 118 today. Yep. And that's a guy who had a program hey. that is, is kind of turned over a new leaf that people don't really talk about because they've been bottom half of the SEC for the entire time down there. And like he's, he's legit. That's a legit yeah. bat. His power, like everybody talks about Tommy White, but I did a for those for our listeners that are loyal, uh, you can check it out. Retweeted on the backside ground balls Twitter page. I wrote a draft article of some of the most exciting guys, kind of focused on the top of the draft, but a lot of it was college players focused. You do the research and you do the side by side comparison. I mean, Condon's got power, better power numbers than Tommy White does, and Tommy White gets a lot of love. 
obviously Tommy White's skill set of being, I mean, that big bat to ball skills through the roof, unreal. Um, Condon's but, a little bit um, of a better athlete, though. No. Would, yeah, I mean, he has a chance to to actually play corner outfield. I think right. Tommy White's a first. I think they're both first basemen, so okay. both are going to have to bang to make it to the big leagues. But I think Tommy White has the the disguise of playing third right now. I think Condon's going to get some time in outfield this year, corner outfield. Um, there's people that actually believe he could stick in the corner outfield. We'll see. Yeah. Side note. And your boy, J.J. Weatherholt, as well, at the top of that class. I mean, we haven't even talked about him. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have plenty of time to talk about him. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, like, the, 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 just how loaded the top of the draft is with, with, with offense. Yeah, no, it's good. It's a good year. It's a good year, and college hitters have a high success rate. So, because you have a ton of data, a ton of information, you've seen them hit with wood. Because um, most of these guys have gone to either the Cape or Team USA, so there's just a ton of information. So. Any closing thoughts before we before we have some weekend quick hitters here and, and let our listeners get out of here? We will probably be coming to them with another episode that's going to preview this coming weekend. So I know we didn't talk about anything ahead, but Dan, do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I, I, we just talked about Charlie Condon. Shout out Wes Johnson, who's one of the most respected pitching coaches. Kind of surprised me by taking a head coaching job at school everybody i think most of our listeners know i root for university of georgia they they get off west johnson gets off to a three and no start no sleepiness i know it was against unc Asheville, but no sleepiness or, or sloppiness from the boys down in athens and um i'd like to see him do a good job again i was kind of surprised he took a head coaching gig just because he his career path it kind of seemed like he didn't want to be it didn't seem like he i feel like he's probably had opportunities in the past he obviously went to the mlb comes back to lsu i didn't know how much he wanted to be recruiting you know, maybe that was part of why he went to MLB. Who knows? I don't know the inside scoop, but to see him as a head coach now, he turned that roster over. There was a lot of turnover on that roster. Happy to see the dogs start three and zero. It's going to get tougher. Yeah, but it is going to get tougher. But it's, uh, it's a that's a good place to be in terms of talent acquisition. Sure, you can go in there. That state is probably, arguably, if not the best state per capita, at least close to. Athens, Atlanta area. So definitely a condensed amount of talent that a lot of programs want to get into and get guys. Um, so if he can get in there, start recruiting, start getting guys in. Coach Johnson, the backside ground balls, we would love to come down there to Athens, check out your facilities, highlight it for the YouTube page, give our listeners some more information and background about what you're trying to build. So I know you're a friend of the podcast. I know you're a subscriber. Um, make sure you're, you're checking us out and we'll, we'll make it down. We'll make that trip down anytime. Uh, preferably around a fall weekend. Yeah, well, we can't get too greedy around here. <laughs> We're not there yet. We're not that important yet. So some cool things that happened this weekend. Uh, we had Matt Messiangelo, not Messiangelo, which would Massey have been the cool Angelo. way. To, right, well, he's from, well, you got to know which coast out. he's from. Exactly. Messiangelo, if, if he was from New York, Messiangelo is Cali kid. Matt Misangelo is is a cat <laughs> second baseman right now. For sure. At for sure. Chestnut at Dominican. Hill. Yeah. 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 <laughs> at either or. Um, and then Matt Massey Angelo um, of Sac State, he got hit in eight of his nine plate appearance. He was hit in the 10th, but the umpire called it a strike. I mean, let me ask you this. You're a pitching guy. At what, what number as the opposing pitching coach, are you just assuming that this kid is hanging over the plate? What number two. of hit by pitches in one? Two. Two. Yes, that's, two. What, that's the exact same number. Two. Yeah. <laughs> like at the second time, you're like, he's clearly all over the plate and I'm probably already complaining. And if you watch the clips, which just went super viral on social media, if you watch the clip, he doesn't move a lick. Like I'm not surprised. I, I'm surprised it took the Empire to the tent. Like there had to be at some point the head coach for Loyola Marymount had to be like, can we like he's not moving? Like we're gonna keep throwing inside. He's all over the plate. He's not moving. Um, can we call this? And it took till the tenth plate appearance and his ninth HBP for them to finally be like, no, stay here. That's a strike because he really he kind of did. He did the and at some of them in fairness were legit like they were just like they weren't close um Square tough angle up. that's another tough angle there it was another flow sports tough angle high home um to really tell but he kind of buckled on the 10th one where you know when guys buckle and the knee kind of goes in 
towards the plate, kind of hangs over. That that was the tenth one that he, uh, the tenth plate appearance, ninth HBP. But what a funny story because what a ridiculous way to start your year. Just ridiculous. OBP through the roof, baby. <laughs> OBP through the roof. Um, in the low lights of the college baseball world, George Mason, regional finalist in Winston Salem, gave up fifty nine runs in three games down in Coastal. Coastal's a band box. Coastal can bang. Duke can bang. Indiana can bang. 59. You're going, you're going home giving up 20 a game. You know, this is why I talk about a lot of football scores this weekend. You're giving up like you're, if you're a defensive coordinator, you're like, all right, boys, we're holding teams to just under three touchdowns. You know, we're holding teams to three touchdowns. We can work with that on the offense, maybe spread it around. Get a couple of big plays. If we force some turnovers, we'll be all right. As a pitching coach and you're going home, giving up 20 a game after three, you're not feeling too good. That is – and we talked about how Campbell, you give up 20 in the opener and you're not feeling good about yourself. And that's – I mean, you got to head up the 95 corridor from Conway on Sunday night, head back to Fairfax. I'm sure there's traffic on a Sunday when you get up into the, the Virginia through Richmond. That bus ride, if you're the pitching coach – if you're a pitcher on that staff, that's the worst bus ride of the weekend by far. Yeah, they're uh, sixteen point nine two as a team right now. Um, not you know ideal. what? You know what that is? That's a that is, again. That's a Division two, Division three team ERA after a team from the north who hasn't seen grass since they got back to campus heads down. It's their first weekend playing a team that's played 15 games because somehow that works that way in Division Two, II, Division Three. That's that's what you that's where you see ERAs like that. Shout out to Ty Uckman coming out inning in the third, three punchies, no earned. Um, stop you the start bleeding, Friday, my guy. You start Friday yeah, night this well, weekend for the for they're going to be searching for somebody. Shout to out step George up. Mason, it's my brother's an alma mater from 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 George Mason University, so. Maybe yeah, they can call well, him and gonna... get some innings. He might have some eligibility under his bed. Yeah, well, we – never mind. I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're getting a little squirrely here late at night. LeMoyne starts their year with 17 straight games on the road. Do you know if there is an airport that flies from Syracuse to Houston? Sure. Oh, so. oh, direct. I don't. I didn't direct. do any research on Syracuse to Houston direct. I I know that Syracuse obviously has an airport that you fly in and out of, but I don't know if there's any direct flights into Houston Christian. Is that where they were this weekend? Houston Christian but, Baptist. Well, was it no Houston, Houston Baptist? Christian. Where where Lance Berkman's a coach? I thought that's where they were. No, no, no. I think they're at Houston Christian, which I had never even heard of. Hold on, I need to fact check this. So this is good podcasting right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I Welcome to, I mean, Lemoyne, obviously, for those who are like, who are you guys talking about? The Lemoyne College Dolphins. I think it might be Lemoyne University now. Dolphins out of uh, Syracuse, New York. First year in Division One baseball. Um, their D2 team, they get to, they start their year. Houston Christian for four. Radford, mm. St. Louis. I didn't even know that was Long school. Island, Delaware State. All on the road. They're not home in Syracuse, which makes sense because you probably can't be home in Syracuse until – they're not home until March 22nd. March 22nd. They are the first five weeks are on the road for the boys. Uh, nice budget. I did have it right. Houston Christian is where Berkman Lance coach. Berkman is the head coach. But it's not Houston Baptist. But it's not Houston Baptist. So we, we go half. My right? apologies. It's like, it's like sharing a sack in the NFL. We both get a half a, half a point there. That's fair. I like that. I'm I'm in on that. I I would love to to help your stats out. I help you, you help me. And last but not least for the weekend quick hitters, we have the most feel good story across college baseball. Really awesome situation down in Greenville, North Carolina, where Parker Bird, who tragically lost his leg in a boating accident, um, a lot of people had been saying that he was going to get an opportunity to play day one. Against Ryder, opening day. That place is always packed out. They love their, they love their East Carolina baseball. He gets an at bat, draws a walk. Really cool situation. He's the first player ever to play with a prosthetic leg. Obviously, getting on base was probably a huge deal for him. Emotional moment for a lot of people in the crowd. 
Um, and obviously a lot of people on social media gravitated to his story and a lot of people are out there rooting for Parker and wanting to see his success because obviously it was tragic the way he lost his leg and obviously still being able to live out his dream of playing college baseball is a really cool uh, part of that it, for all the negatives that come with that. Yeah, obviously another um, extremely viral moment from the weekend. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. Just go search it, Parker Bird's at bat. Um, I just can't imagine. Like You're on top of the world. You're a high school kid who's committed to go play at ECU, one of the top mid-major programs in the country. Uh, just a fantastic baseball program with, a, like you said, a rabid fan base. Like you're getting ready to live the dream. Then you have something terrible like that happening. You're probably questioning everything. Uh, you you know your whole life changes in in a second. Just one of those you know awful situations where everything changes. And so to be able to to come back and and uh, have that opportunity and have that moment is pretty incredible and pretty special. And and you know one of those those times that social media is cool because to see everybody kind of boosting it and supporting it and just seeing the reaction from the crowd and and i mean to work a walk is makes it even even that much better yes 100 percent. perfect any closing thoughts before we get out of here on this fine day happy to have baseball back can't wait for the weather yes. to get warmer but happy to have baseball back. yes once the weather gets warmer whoo it's gonna be a lot of fun Thank you to our listeners for tuning in as that will conclude our episode for today. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Make sure to check us out on social media because we will be posting where we are. You know, who knows? It might be from USA Baseball Complex watching some Division Two. We'll see if how many of our friends at Goldie Beacom make it. I'll say it's Division Two cafeteria food. Let's see if anybody makes it this late in the podcast or if they're all just a bunch of liars. So we'll find out on Friday when you come at me or you don't come at me. You know who I'm talking about, so we're going to find out. And if you do listen to this deep in the episode, don't go telling anybody else that I said that. We need to make sure. We need to find who the truth is up there in Wilmington, Delaware, make sure we know which people are actually listening to the podcast and which ones aren't. Post episodes weekly, always hitting your feet at 7 a.m. sharp. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB, Instagram at BacksideGroundBalls, and TikTok at BacksideGroundBall. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. 99% of our listeners on YouTube are currently unsubscribed. Head over there. we got a ton of great content over there, ton of opportunities to watch some good videos. Um, and most importantly, make sure you're sharing with five friends. And we'll see you next time on the Backside Ground Balls podcast.